How can we as healthcare practitioners move from just providing disease management to providing true healthcare? That is the question, and this is the answer. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast that helps you grow your practice and expand your skills as a practitioner. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for wellness-minded people and professionals who are passionate about transforming our broken medical system into a true healthcare system. Today, I'll continue the discussion about niacin, a B vitamin with lots of clinical benefits. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo, and I believe that most diseases can be prevented or reversed. And I am so dedicated to empowering people to live their best lives and to empowering practitioners to help them to do that. So today, let's talk about the relationship between niacin and Raynaud's disease. So what is Raynaud's disease? You've heard of it. If you're a practitioner, you've heard of it. If you're a person, you either have it or have known people who have it. And it's a pretty debilitating condition, especially for people who live in cold areas. So it's a condition where the circulation to the fingers and the toes decreases, especially to the fingers. And because the fingers aren't getting the right circulation, they change color. You go outside and suddenly the fingers turn very pale and then they turn blue and then they turn red. And numbness is very common in the fingers and toes. And this is related to cold exposure. So people who live in the northern part of the US, in Canada, and in other countries where it gets cold, really suffer when it comes to Raynaud's. Some of them buy inserts for their gloves to keep their hands warm, hand warmers. They even make warming gloves, gloves that have a battery and you basically wear them and they warm up. And that's what they need to do. These areas sometimes get throbbing as the blood flow starts to go through and that can be very painful. And the numbness and the tingling can be very uncomfortable. So let's talk a little bit about Raynaud's and its prevalence and then a novel approach to Raynaud's using the nutrient niacin. It's common around the world. It affects 5 to 10% of the general population. That's huge. It's more common in women than men and typically begins to manifest between the ages of 15 and 30. Primary Raynaud's is the most common form and it occurs without an underlying medical condition. Secondary Raynaud's is associated with other diseases like autoimmune things like lupus, scleroderma, and rheumatoid arthritis. So what causes this crazy disease? Well, it's the abnormal nerve control of the blood vessel diameter. So blood vessels may be supposed to be like this and theirs get much, much smaller. That causes an abnormal response to cold and also to stress, but mainly to cold. There are some genetic factors and underlying autoimmune conditions. And we mentioned that you know, some of the people that have it have lupus or scleroderma or rheumatoid arthritis. You will see this a lot. As you do histories on people as a practitioner, you're gonna see a lot of them say, oh yeah, I have Raynaud's. No, I don't like going out in the cold. No, I don't ski because it's, it's too uncomfortable to go skiing or to do outside activities in the winter. So there are other things that can be associated with Raynaud's. So it's not just this fingers and toes not feeling so good. It increases the risk of developing ulcers and sores in those areas. 
We know how with diabetic neuropathy, people develop ulcerations in their toes and in their feet, and some end up having to have amputation. Well, this can cause similar because there's lack of circulation to those areas. Frostbite, common, right? It makes sense. You go out there, you can't get circulation to your fingers and toes. I know that when I used to ski a lot, I would get to the top and get off the ski lift and my fingers would be so cold. And we'd do things like this and we'd shake them up around and that would help to bring the circulation there. That's not necessarily going to help somebody with Raynaud's because the diameters of those vessels are way too small. And it can potentially lead to tissue damage and necrosis if these people insist on going out a lot and they're not getting circulation. Healing doesn't happen, so necrosis of the tissues can happen. People who have Raynaud's would love to have a solution, wouldn't they, right? Because it creates pain and discomfort when the episodes are happening and limits the daily activities the fun activities like skiing or ice skating or other things, but also daily activities like going to the grocery store uh, or shoveling the driveway or other things when you live in a cold climate. Um, a lot of people experience emotional distress, anxiety about this. They just don't want to deal with going out in the cold. And then disruption of work, of socialization, of other things in life. So it's important to help people with Raynaud's to get over it and to have coping mechanisms for it. So here's where we're going to talk about niacin. Niacin is vitamin B3, and it can play a role in the management of Raynaud's because it's a vasodilator. It actually causes the blood vessels to dilate and expand. And one of the side effects of taking too much niacin, which is vasodilation that causes a flush, the niacin flush, can also be the thing that helps people with Raynaud's. Now, I'm just going to start out with, there's not a lot of actual double-blind placebo-controlled studies on this, but there's a lot of speculation about it and anecdotal evidence that niacin can help improve people who have Raynaud's. In a previous episode, we talked about at length niacin and its mechanism of action. So you can go back and listen to that. That was, I think, in episode 104 or 5 and it, how it helps with lipid metabolism. Today we're going to focus on its role as a vasodilator and its potential for improving Raynaud's. So let's talk about that. So how does niacin vasodilate? A lot of people ask me that question. What's the mechanism? Well, it causes the release of prostaglandins. And you know that prostaglandins are hormone-like substances that affect function. And high dose of niacin stimulates the production of prostaglandins, especially two of them that have been found to be contributing to the vasodilatory effect. One is prostaglandin D2 in the skin, and then prostaglandin E2, which happens in the rest of the body. So both of these cause vasodilation. When the capillaries expand, they increase the blood flow to the skin. What does that mean? Well, the reason that people with Raynaud's have their symptoms is that they're not getting enough circulation to their fingers and their toes. And what's the result of this vasodilation? Well, if you've ever experienced a niacin flush, you'll know that it results in skin getting very, very warm and flushed. You may even suddenly get very red, beet red even, and feel like you have a sunburn. And that can happen in the face, in the arms, in the fingers and toes and even in the trunk. 
Now, if you take too much niacin, this can be extremely uncomfortable. With Raynaud's, it's a matter of balancing the amount, but also thinking about going out in the cold and having your fingers turn blue and being so cold might actually be more uncomfortable than the niacin flush, and the niacin flush may actually be welcome in that situation. So the increased blood flow causes everything to flush, and that warmth that they feel is going to reverse and, and help the circulation. Like I said, this is anecdotal. This is based on the mechanism, and nobody's undertaken a double-blind placebo-controlled study to show the benefits in Raynaud's. But we have a lot of anecdotal evidence, and I'll share some of that with you. The other thing that niacin does is it causes a histamine release. So in addition to the prostaglandins, histamine gets released, which is another thing that helps with vasodilation. The other important thing to keep in mind with histamine release is that niacin dosing can be helpful for people who have problems with histamine responses, have problems with when they go out you know, inside and there's pollen or they're inside and they eat foods that are high histamine and they get the reaction. What this does is it basically spends the histamine. So you have this initial oomph of histamine in the form of a flush. And then when you are exposed to the pollens or exposed to some of the histamine containing foods, may not get that same reaction. And I've had people tell me about this, that that's what happened to them. They were like, wait, I started taking niacin for my cardiovascular health, and all of a sudden my histamine symptoms are getting better. So how long does the flush last? Well, it depends on the amount taken. Usually begins 15 to 30 minutes after taking it. So if you're talking about going outside and you have Raynaud's, what you want to do is take the dose of niacin about 15 minutes before you get out. It can last one to two hours. So this is not meant for you to be out there all day skiing, although you can come in and take another dose, but it certainly can help for a couple of hours and certainly good enough for a trip to the grocery store or any other tasks you need to do outside. The higher the dose, the more pronounced the reaction, but the more pronounced the reaction, the more uncomfortable it is and the less likely people are going to do it, right? It's like, okay, I can't stand that. That's really bad. But you can gradually build up the tolerance for it and understand that you can have a reaction that lasts two hours, but it's not as severe, as so severe that you feel like you're scratching your skin off. So how much niacin should we be taking to help people with Renaud's or, you know, if that's what you're suffering from or if you're a practitioner? Well, we don't have a lot of research to show that. Uh, but everybody's tolerance to niacin is different. So I recommend that if you have Raynaud's and you want to experiment with this or you're working with people, that you suggest the low and slow approach. You start with small amount, you see how long the flush lasts, you see how much you can increase that. You take a measure of how long it lasts, and that way you'll know, like, oh, we have to go out for, for two hours, this is how much I should take. So starting with, say, somewhere around 50 milligrams, some people get extremely flushed for many hours from 50 milligrams. For other people, they can do up to 500 and not have that reaction. So experimentation. Personally, I like powdered niacin, and that way you can just titrate up to get the right dose. Similar to how we talked about doing that for cardiovascular disease when we had our last episode. 
are there any cautions? People always want to know that, right? Are there any precautions we should take, people that shouldn't take uh, high doses of niacin? Well, liver toxicity, but this is in doses over 2,000 milligrams a day, which is what's prescribed for lowering LP little a, lipoprotein little a, or um, LDLs in general, cardiovascular benefits. So over 2,000 is a typical dose there. And if that's the case, then we want to monitor liver enzymes and make sure that that's not happening. In this particular situation, I don't think that we're going to be getting up to 2,000 unless you're also working with the cardiovascular effects. So it could be the 500 or 750, and that's not been associated with any side effects. But everybody's different, and you need to warn people about this. It can also cause some GI issues. It can cause uh, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, peptic ulcers. Again, it's rare, and it's only going to happen at high doses. That's why I say go slow, low and slow, powdered form. If somebody gets that nausea feeling or feels like they have um, like reflux, don't do it. Back off. The other thing it might cause in somebody who's diabetic and is very unstable blood sugar, and it can actually cause the blood sugar to go up. But again, it's in high doses. What I recommend is if you're telling someone who has a blood sugar condition or diabetes or insulin resistance, you know, that they should try this, that they, you're monitoring their blood sugar, either with a CGM or with finger pricking with a glucometer and just monitor it. And if it starts to elevate too high, then you know, you know your dose is too high. Uh, gout can sometimes increase uric acid, so watch that, especially in people who are prone to gout, who have had gout before. In rare cases, I've seen reports where it can cause vision problems, kind of blurry vision, um, and swelling, swelling in the retina, which would interfere with vision. So this is gonna seem like a weird one, but there can be cardiovascular complications to long and prolonged intake of niacin. Uh, even though niacin is used to help with lipids and cardiovascular system, you just have to be watching, right? So whenever you start somebody on a therapeutic dose of a, a vitamin or a mineral or, or an herb even, it's a nutraceutical. It, treat it like it's a, a drug and watch and monitor and do some testing to make sure it's okay. Here again, with Raynaud's, we're not talking about cardiovascular where we're taking it every single day at two to 3,000 milligrams. We're talking taking probably somewhere in the 500 to 1,000 milligrams upon going out. Now, if you have somebody who's a lumberjack and is out in the winter all the time, yeah, you have to watch that because there may be some problems. The, the kinds of cardiovascular things that have emerged in some of the literature with high dose niacin is irregular heart rhythms and maybe an increased risk of heart attack in some individuals. I haven't seen those studies. I've just heard of those studies. But again, if somebody has that risk factor, be careful. Niacin, like most nutrients, can interact with certain prescription medications and over-the-counter. Medications can cause an interference of nutrients, right? It can interfere with the mechanism of action of nutrients, but also certain nutrients can interfere with the medication effects and also can enhance medication effects. So let's be careful whenever somebody is on medication, be careful of how you do this. So some of the medications that have been shown to Inter be interfered with from high-dose niacin are blood thinners, 
blood pressure medication, and even diabetes medication in statins. So it's really important to look at this. And finally, the last downside that I'm looking at for potentially supplementing too much niacin is in somebody who has an MTHFR variant in their genes. And what has been found is that niacin has the ability to mop up, absorb, take out of circulation the methyl groups. And in people with MTHFR, we often talk about supplementation with methylfolate. And people with other genetic variants like MTRR, we talk about supplementation with methyl B12. And sometimes when people take too much of the methyl groups, because they also have another uh, variant called COMT, they can get anxious. And niacin has been used in higher doses to absorb those extra methyl groups and decrease the anxiety. So just be careful and watch. You know, anytime you're prescribing, recommending a, a vitamin, a mineral, a, an herb for people to have a specific therapeutic effect, I recommend low and slow and monitoring. Okay, then you're not gonna get into trouble. So as far as studies, I said there aren't any double-blind placebo-controlled studies, but I have some anecdotal. Uh, one person who's a friend of mine, and I had recommended or talked to her about niacin, and she read the book, Niacin, The Real Story. She decided because of some cardiovascular markers on her labs that she was gonna keep elevating her level of niacin. Well, she said to me like about a week or two into her experiment, she goes, you know, could this be possible? But I feel like my Raynaud's has gotten better. Well, you know, I had never done a full history on her, so I didn't know she had that as an issue. She's a friend, and I was giving her advice. And I said, yeah, I've recommended it to people, and I have. I've had clients who I've said, you know, just take a dose of niacin before you go out. And they said, yeah, it, it helps a little bit. And I think if you're consistent with it, it's going to help a whole lot more. But she was thrilled that her fingers weren't turning blue and white when she went out. That's pretty cool. Um, I found an online forum where people were writing in about Raynaud's and other autoimmune diseases. And what they found was, hey, they, if they took the niacin before going out, uh, in combination, especially with their warmers, their glove warmers, they were having amazing results. So you can Google it and search around and talk to people about it, but it's conjecture, right? We're, we don't have double-blind placebo-controlled studies, but when you look at the physiology, when you look at the biochemistry, you can come up with some amazing approaches to help people because you understand what's going wrong. So in conclusion, if you're working with people with Raynaud's or if you yourself have Raynaud's, experiment with it. Get powdered Niacin is actually much less expensive if you get powdered niacin and just work with little amounts. It doesn't taste bad. It doesn't really taste like anything. And the amount you use to get a full, um, I think an eighth of a teaspoon is about 312 milligrams, right? That's almost the size of a 500 uh, milligram capsule. So two of those, like a quarter of a teaspoon is going to give you more than a 500 milligram capsule. So it's very inexpensive. It's very easy to titrate. And I recommend that you play around with it, especially, you know, if you have Raynaud's yourself, experiment on yourself. Then you'll be able to, from your experience, talk to your patients and your clients about it. So this is just one thing in our, this is in our series of niacin. We have 
uh, niacin uh, episode where we talked about the, the cardiovascular. We're in another one that we talk about the mental health. Learn your nutrients. Learn your pharmacy, so to speak, your food pharmacy, your, your basic natural pharmacy, so that you can think about how do you help people with novel problems. So for more information, check out our website at inemethod.com. We have tons of resources for health practitioners. On the podcast at reinventhealthcare.com, there are downloadable guides to all of the different categories. And you can download a guide on nutrient interactions. So you have the power to help people, to improve their lives, to get them results that they're not getting from the regular medical system because it's just not geared towards solving root causes and getting people in balance. So learn as much as you can. Study, check out the podcasts, check out the blog, and until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to Reinvent Healthcare. We are part of the movement to change healthcare for the better. If you liked this episode, leave a rating and a review. And for more resources to support you in growing a thriving and fulfilling practice, visit our website at inemethod.com.